Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Pine Cove Summer Camps for supporting Made for This. Pine Cove is a Christ-centered, life-changing investment in your child's future through a week of outdoor adventure and fun with a purpose. Check out pinecove.com and use the code JENNY250 for $250 off a first-time overnight youth camp registration. We hand over every dream of our lives, every hope, every remnant of control we think we have to God. And we say, you have all of it. You have me. I'm yours. Anything you want to do with me, I'm in. This season, we're talking about purpose. We're talking about our giftedness and the dreams we have and what God could do with our lives. And for some of you, you hear that and you want to turn it off right now. Don't. (laughs) I get it. To some degree, these ideas have been abused since I wrote this book 10 years ago. It's true. I mean, we've just honestly made a God out of living a big story, made a God out of having a big dream, made a God out of accomplishing big purposes. And we're all kind of tired and and we're not interested in it anymore. And I want to be really clear about this. Primarily, our lives are not about purposes. Primarily, our lives are about being. You see that with Jesus when he's meeting with Martha and Mary, and one person is getting a lot done, and one person is sitting and being with him. And so you see that Jesus treasured our being with him, our presence, our relationship, our closeness and nearness to him. Primarily, we are people that are beings, not people that do things. However, we also function with a clock. God set us in time. And there's an amount of time, an allotted amount of time that everyone has. I don't know if you knew that, but God knows the day you're going to die. You have an allotted amount of time. And it's already been assigned to you. And, and something about that's kind of peace-giving because you don't have to worry so much. You're, you're not going to accidentally get hit by a car before your time has been served on earth. And so there's a great grace we can rest into when we know that God is in control. And yet... For a lot of us, I think we live imagining the worst about God and the worst about our lives, that that he has something for us that is difficult, that he is all about our submission and our obedience, and that he isn't just crazy about us, that largely he has something we, he wants us to do, and either we're doing it or not. And then we relate to God based on how much we are answering his divine to-do list. How well are we doing at that? We feel good with God. We feel close to God. And how badly we do at it, we feel far away and distant from God. One of my kids, every time they got in trouble and did something really bad, they would put all their Bibles and journals and devotionals in the hallway. <laughs> Finally, I was like, "What? what what's that about? Like, wh- why is that what you do when you get in trouble when they were younger? And this kid said, well, I don't want anything to do with God. 
basically I what I interpreted as is I feel so much shame that I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to participate with God anymore. I'm so tired of feeling this. This kid thought if I put all my spiritual things in the hallway, then I don't have to think about how I've let down God, which is so interesting because really the whole Bible was written in such a way that displayed, you're going to mess up and I'm going to rescue you and I love you. I'm going to come for you anyway. And so the fact that primarily we all relate to God based on our own behavior is absolutely unbiblical. Beginning in Genesis, I'm right now reading through the book, and in Genesis, it's just everybody's a disaster. Everybody. I mean, it is like the biggest heroes of the faith that you know their names, Abraham, Noah, all of them. It is, I mean, drunkenness, sleeping with people, like just a big fat mess. That's from page one. And so we see a book about people that were imperfect, really, really jacked up people that I honestly am like, this is so bad. I don't know that I want my kids reading it. And I'm talking about Genesis and really messed up people. And yet God restores them. And he doesn't just restore them into relationship. He says, you know what? I want you to be my ambassadors while you're here. I want you to represent me while I'm here. I want you to make me known while I'm here. I want you to speak on my behalf while you're here. I want you to represent me. I mean, it's an unbelievable concept, really, if you stand back and look at it from God's perspective, because how or why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because we've shown, even those of us filled with the Spirit today, we've shown what happens when we are breathing and living and doing what we're supposed to be doing. We all fall and mess up. And so we are stuck. (laughs) Either we pull away from God or we perform and stay close to him and get tired. And I'm starting here because this is the dance I believe we do with God anyway, but it's especially the dance when it comes to purpose because we think we need to impress God in some way or please him or make him happy or appease him. Whatever you grew up in, probably how your father related to you or your mother, that is probably how you think God is. And I would just say that as we begin this process of looking at how God's made us, let's start with a right view of God and how he's viewing you and viewing these threads and this purpose. And let me just say, he does not need you. You are not fulfilling some crazy thing on earth that if you don't do it, it won't get done. You are not primarily somebody to do something for God. He doesn't view you that way at all. You are his kid. And if you have a healthy relationship with your kids, you get exactly what I mean. That on the good days of parenting, I just like them and I just love them. And I just want to sit down and hear about their day on the good days. Now, there are other days in my fallenness that I care more about their grades or what they've done or how they're performing or whatever. But see, the difference in me and God is God actually provided the means for us to get an F. to mess up completely, to get in trouble so badly that we could go to jail. Like he actually provided the means to rescue us from that because of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. That's the difference. So you can perform and try to do something awesome for God and try to be great and try to make a difference in the world so that God's proud of you, but it's not going to change anything with God. It's a show and a dance and primarily if that's the reason you're doing it. 
So let me let me imagine, and let's imagine together, starting from a totally different place. Let's start from the posture of being a child of God's. And let's imagine that over the course of these weeks that we crawl up in his lap and we're like, hey, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do today? And hey, I want to help. You're doing something on earth. I want to go over and I want to help. Could you like show me how to help? I'd love to know how to help. And he's like, yeah, I've got, I'm doing, wait till you see what I'm doing. You're going to die. Today in a grocery store is this man that has been actually abandoned all of his life. He grew up in Africa and he, he still has an accent and you're going to, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm doing so much in his life. In fact, right now he thinks I don't see him. He thinks nobody sees him, but you're going to go and you're going to build a relationship with him. And you're, I want you to go and I want you to talk to him and wait till you see what I'm doing. And so you go and you talk to the man and, and he's, and I'm not saying you knew all that to begin with, but you just get a nudge, like talk to this guy, your, your guy that's checking out. And all of a sudden you become a part of his story. I am telling you, he has a million things going, <laughs> a million things going in people's lives right now. And all the people you pass, there's stories of, of, of God's plans for them and, and what he's doing. And he invites us to participate as his kids. And it's like, come on, let's go. Wait till you see what happens. But because we view God as disappointed in us or proud of us, depending on our day, we never sit in his lap, period. We never come up to him excited and saying, what do you want to do today? Because we, tr we genuinely think he's mad at us. And when you think your dad's mad at you, guess where you are in the other room? <laughs> I mean, that's where you go. You go to the other room. You don't hang out with your dad that's disappointed in you. And so I want to start here, and it's such a big concept, our whole view of God, but, but ultimately he's after us and he's after us surrendering everything to him. But why would you ever surrender everything to someone you don't trust, that doesn't like you, that's disappointed in you? You never would, but he's not. He doesn't need you to perform. You're good because <laughs> he died for you. All he wants for you is a relationship. All he wants for you is, is to trust him. All he wants for you is to come back to him. I mean, he sent the greatest love message ever written. Every other one is based on it, honestly. Somewhere, somehow, if it moves you, it's a love story. It somehow goes back to the fact of rescue. He did it, and it costs Jesus his life. And then we're all sitting here talking about how we measure up and how we do important things for him and how we how we make sure and hit the mark that he said, and what does God want me to do? And I don't know, and I don't want to disappoint him, and, and I don't want to get to heaven and found out I, I, was, I was disappointing him. And I'll be really honest. I wrote this 10 years ago, and there's just a little bit of that girl in there. <laughs> As I'm rereading this, there's just a little bit of the girl that's like, I don't want to let you down, God. I don't want to let you down. So while you're reading it, just, just know that, that I was in process of working through that. But that's not how he's viewing you, and that's not how he's viewing me. At the same time, what was good and true about the book is, is a great love story. And when I look back at myself, even when I wrote this 10 years ago, I was experiencing it. I was experiencing the Spirit leading me, telling me where to go and what to do. And, and I was experiencing new, fresh wind of obedience that I had never had prior. And all of that's real and true. And, and what's great about that is that we can view God a little bit wrong and still He moves and still He works. And I think I think in general, it's just like any other relationship. The more you get to know someone, the more you don't like him or the more you do. And I just keep finding God to be more trustworthy and delightful than I imagined before. 
I am so pumped to have Pine Cove as a partner this season because Pine Cove is such a special place for me personally, and we cannot wait for you guys to hear about it. So if you don't remember from like season one and two, I was a Pine Cove summer camp counselor for two years in college, and it is just truly a special, special place that I have experienced firsthand, and we just love that Pine Cove is Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun. Because summer after summer, every kid at camp hears the gospel, they see it lived out, and they have so many intentional and fun activities because the counselors don't just sit to the side. We stay involved, we dance alongside of them, we go crazy. Like there's something about that summer camp experience where everything is slower, simpler, no technology, kids can swim and play games and run and play and worship. And it truly could be a life-changing week in your child's life. Pine Cove is a Christian camp with over 50 years of experience. They have Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun counselors. They have summer camps, family camps, all different kinds of things in Texas, Georgia, South Carolina. And this could be an awesome summer tradition for your kid at Pine Cove this summer. What a better way for your child to spend a week this summer hearing the gospel, spending time with college counselors that are investing in their life and truly just enjoying Jesus, being outside and having a blast. So check out pinecove.com and use the code Jenny250 for $250 off a first time overnight youth camp registration. And now back to Jenny. Ultimately, this week, we're talking about surrender. These chapters talk a lot about it. Die to live is one of the names of the chapters, and, and it's true. I mean, it's true. I don't disagree with that. I, nothing's changed about that. God began to work in my life. We've talked about anything, that book that I wrote first, and that was when I surrendered. And so we start there. We start with we've got to surrender to God first. We say, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. And in my experience, many times I've said to him, I want to go this way. And he said, I want you to go this way. And it's not the road I'm comfortable with. It's not the road necessarily I think I'm perfectly suited for, but it's the road that he calls me on. And we're going to talk about what we're suited for. We're going to talk about our gifts and purposes and people and places he's put us. We're going to talk about the threads of our life that actually God designed and, and caused to be in place. But at underneath it all has to be the foundation of surrender that ultimately he loves to make us risk. He loves to make us risk. Do you know why? God loves to make you risk. In fact, I would say if you haven't risked anything in a long time, you probably need to ask him, God, what is a risk you want me to take? And it may be as simple as sharing your faith with somebody, starting a spiritual conversation with somebody, but he loves for us to risk. And the reason he loves for us to risk is because when we're scared little kids, we crawl up in his lap. When we're scared little kids and we trust him, we say, help. <laughs> When we're scared little kids and we don't know how to do this thing that he's he's called us to do, we look up at it and it feels too big. We say, hey, lift, lift me up. <laughs> like, help me get up there. I, I can't do that. And God loves that. I would say it's his primary goal for your life. It's his primary goal for you to need him. Primary. And so I want you in these weeks to pray, God, what's a risk you want me to take? And I bet you he gives you more than one. In these weeks, I bet you, as we're talking about this, even today, he's going to give you one. And it might feel really small to other people, but to you, it feels huge. And whatever it is, I just want you to jump. One of the things I talk about in the book and we'll talk about here 
is cliff jumping. That when you jump off a cliff, you know, my kids, I would take them, oh, I hate, hated doing it every time. I still do shudder when I think about it, but we would take them cliff jumping and, and they would jump off a cliff and then they would be like, oh, and they'd be so scared. But then they'd say, oh, that was so fun. And then they'd go off a bigger cliff. And there were these cliffs in progression that got taller and taller. And eventually it was just terrifying, like watching my, my children jump off 10-story buildings into the water. But their risk capacity grew. And that's ultimately what I pray for you, is that through these weeks, you would take small risks and your risk capacity would grow. And then eventually you're doing things like you could never imagine two years ago, 10 years from now. John 12, 24 through 25 says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. There is something about the shift of what we care about, of who we love, of what we're living for that changes everything about our lives. And if you've never surrendered to Jesus, if you've never given him everything in your life, this is that time. This is that day. Pull over, put your hands up in the air and say, God, I give you everything. I give you all of me. Because it has to begin with surrender. It has to begin with, I love you and I'm in. I'm in for the life that you've called me to. I don't want to miss it. I can tell you right now, I've got a new dream in my heart. Maybe one day I will share with you, maybe one day in the next year or so. It scares the living daylights out of me. I mean, like I haven't been scared in a long time. And one of the reasons I continue to be sure that God wants me to do it is how scared I feel <laughs> that, that I need him. And every time I think about it, I get butterflies and I pray. And I say, God, are, you know, I'm begging him. Are, are we sure? Like, this is what you want me to do next. And I think something about living that way, I never want to get to the end of that. And I keep thinking I couldn't do anything scarier or more. Like I couldn't, I couldn't. And yet God's like, ha ha, that's cute. Watch. <laughs> and so my dream for you this week is just to take one little risk, one place that you need God, one little surrender of I'm scared and I'm going to have that conversation anyway. I'm scared. I'm going to make that call anyway. I'm scared. I'm going to take that step towards this thing that I've known you've wanted me to do anyway. And I love it because I know I have a, a line. I, I naturally say it. I almost said it just then, but I'm going to stop and, and really think through it and say it this time. We take a step and then we watch God show up and move. And it's the most fun way to live. And if you've never felt that, if you've never experienced it, or you haven't felt it in 10 years or 20 years, He wants you to feel and experience living with Him, running with Him, adventuring with Him like that again. Well, guys, it's that time of year again. If Gathering is coming. It's just a few weeks away, and it's time to gather your people. There's not a better way to bond than hanging out with a living room full of your friends and watching If Together. We build the whole experience for you. So you do not want to miss this. Most of the world experiences If Gathering in living rooms and churches, right? There's only three to 4,000 of us in the room and hundreds of thousands of you out there. So it blows my mind every year how many of you tune in and are a part of that story, but don't do it alone. Do not do it alone. We already have more If Locals than we've ever had at this point. We're so excited about If Local. If Local is where you can gather your friends and your people. And so go sign up right now. It's super simple and invite your people over and we'll give you all the tools and all the instruction to, to do it. It's super simple, whether you're in college or you are 80. 
this is a chance for you to be discipled by some of my best friends. It will be a fantastic gathering. So come on, you don't want to miss it. It's March 3rd and 4th, and you can go sign up at ifgathering.com, ifgathering.com.